We have to refocus sometimes, right? When things change, we have to refocus. Sometimes our perspective changes a little bit, right? When we refocus, we, have, we need to get in, as a church, we need to get in one mind and one accord. Now, when we're in one mind and one accord, we can only get in one mind and one accord about one thing, right? Because if we talk about other things, we might talk about guns or Corvettes or, or whatever your interest might be. But we have one common interest, and that's God, right? So we need to come together with one common interest and get in one mind and one accord, refocused on him. Now, think about the upper room. They, they were focused on all kinds of other things were going on in their world. Their leader had just been killed. Are you following me? He, he'd been resurrected and, and went back to heaven and all these things had happened. So they had all kinds of things they could reflect on, but they got in one mind and one accord, right? Do we want God to move? We, we want God to move in, in, our, in our lives, in our midst. We want God to move, right? It's not just for here. We don't just do this for repetition. We don't just do this for a lip service. That's not what we're here for. It's not just a th- Church is not just a thing to do. It's not just for a social status. We come here because we want God to move. We want, we want our lives to change. Most of us lived in the world before we came to God. Most of us haven't been saints all of our life. Some of us may have been, but most of us lived in the world first. And we wanted to change when we came to God. That's the reason we came to church for. That's what we first came to God for. We wanted to change. So church, we have to refocus on what our needs are. We have to refocus on him, get in one mind and one accord. Remember, remember how the services were going before we left here? Yeah. Before this pandemic happened, you remember what was going on yeah. in this church right here in Excelsior Springs? Right? We're here for an encounter. Amen. We come expecting something. from. We come expecting God to move every time we come to his house because we've been living it in our, in our private lives, right? You all been praying and, and keeping prayed up and keeping in your word and all those things, I'm sure. Right? We've all been doing those things, so, and we've been praising God in our private life. So then when we come together corporately, we expect something to happen. Church should be an atmosphere all the time, an atmosphere of expectation, just waiting on what God wants us to do so we can flow with his spirit. And what's going to happen next, Lord? Not coming to see what kind of clothes I have on or, or how I'm dressed or what I'm preaching about or, or just to see my friends. Those things are all great, and we need fellowship with one another. But we come to church to come in, in contact with God, right? To have an encounter with Almighty God. I have, a, I have a, one scripture here, and I want to read it to you a few different ways. In Isaiah 29 and 13, and I'll give you just a second. I'm going to read the passion. I'm going to read the voice. Then I'm going to read Matthew 15, 8 and 9. It's kind of the same thing, but Matthew's saying it in the New Testament instead of being in the Old Testament. So I'm going to read that in the voice also. I just like the way it was worded. It brought it out a little better to me. It hit home. Isaiah 29 and 13. It's a very familiar scripture. It says, this is what the Lord says about these people. They come near to me with their hollow words. They honor me superficially with their lips. All the while, their hearts run far away from me. Their worship is nothing more than man-made rules. So many people are in church because grandma told them they need to be in church or because someone's nagged them to be there or because they come for a social status so they can say they come to church. But where's your heart at, church? Where's your praise at? We come here to get our praise on, right? To have, an, to have an encounter with God. Where's our heart at? And in the voice translation, it says this. These people think they can draw near to me by saying the right things. Think about that right there. Some people think they can draw near to God just by saying the right things. But let me tell you this. God knows your heart. He knows it's inside and out. He knows the number of hairs on our head, right? By honoring me with their lips, it goes on to say. But their hearts are far away from me. 
Their worship of me consists of man-made traditions learned by rote. That word rote there means repetition. It's learned by repetition. We go to church over and over. We did, we've done this thing because we've always done it. We get dressed up on Sunday. We come to church, but we're not looking for something more out of it. Maybe we come to church looking for a date, some people do. But we're not looking for something more with God out of coming to church. We're not looking for an encounter with him, right? In Matthew 15, 8 and 9, this is also the voice translation today. It says, people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are nowhere near me. Church, I'm afraid that's where a lot of the church is today. We honor him with our lips. We know the right things to say because we've been in church so many times. We, we have the repetition down. We know what we're supposed to say. We know what Brother Stephen calls it your Sunday etiquette. We know how we're supposed to act. We know what we're supposed to look like, but our heart's somewhere way down the road. Think about this. The hearts are far away from me, nowhere near me, he says in Matthew, because they elevate mere human ritual to a status of law. That's a dangerous situation. That's the way the Sanhedrin was, right? Their worship of, of me is a meaningless sham, he says. If you're here with your heart not in the right place, he doesn't receive your worship. He, your worship is meaningless to him. And he knows your heart. We've got to check our hearts today, right? We've got to get our mind refocused on what we're supposed to be on. Refocus on what we're supposed to, not this camera sitting here, not the church is different now, but refocused on where we're supposed to be on. We come here to have an encounter with Almighty God. No other reason. No other reason. That's the number one reason. We also have fellowship in those things. I shouldn't have said no other reason. We have fellowship in those things, but compared to having an encounter with Almighty God, those things are nothing. Those things are nothing. That has to be number one. We come here to have an encounter with God, right? Get our mind refocused on Him, His will. What his will is for my life, what his will is for the service today, right? To do his will, to flow with the Spirit, to do his will when I leave here, not just to have my Sunday etiquette on, but live this way all the time, have my heart in the right place all the time, Amen. constantly seeking him and what he wants in my life, what he wants for my children's lives, right? What he wants for those around me. Develop our spirit, constantly refocus on developing my spirit all the time, developing my relationship with him all the time, constantly, not just on Sunday morning, not just when the podcast is on, but all the time, it's where we got to live at, church. Refocus on where we need to live at. My pastor would say that's where the rubber meets the road. Refocus on my relationship with God, right? Refocus on what he wants for my life. Seeking his anointing. There was a question asked at my dinner table last night. We had to regroup for dinner, by the way, because in Elkhorn, we, all, we shut off every electronic. Everybody comes together for dinner time. We all sit down. We pray as a family, and we eat as a family, and there's, and there's a question asked. Some of some sometimes in our family though people get in a hurry to eat because they got they want to go do so they're wanting to hurry up and pray and eat real quick and get out of there. So some of the people who got to the table first are trying to take off by the time Mama and some other people might be getting to the table. Are you following me? So we talked about this and I'm not getting out of my family. I'm just we're transparent because they're my family. You seen the shirt I had on this morning, right? It said, "Be careful, you'll wind up in my sermon." Sister Alicia made that for me. It's great. You should sell those. You probably sell them to preachers. <laughs> um, however. Um, where I was going with that is we have to refocus sometimes. So I said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're all going to come in. We're going to sit down at the table. We're all going to get our food, and then we'll pray. And then we'll pray, and then we'll do these things. So the question was asked last night. We have a deck of cards that have different questions on them. We got the idea from a cabin that we stayed in in Colorado. They had a deck of cards in there, and, you, and, and it starts a conversation. It asks a question, and everybody in the family answers the question. So Brenda went and bought some. We've been through a few decks of these cards now, but they, they, she keeps finding one with different questions. So the question was last night, if you could ask God to do three things for you, if you could ask God to do three things for you and you could have them right now, what would they be? 
and, and everybody went around the table and they said different things. And my first response was, I said, can I answer first? Because I already know what they are. I want, I want salvation for me and all my family. Amen. My second thing was, I thought I wanted to be rich so I didn't have to, I could retire from work right now. And the other one was, I don't remember what the other one even was now. But I realized that my anointing would be more important to me than my financial need would be, than my than financial game would be. So we need to be seeking his anointing. That's one of the things we need to do. We need to refocus on, instead of the things of the world and financial gain and all the things that we, that we tend, to, tend, tend to lean toward in the world, we need to seek more of God's anointing. We want to see God's anointing flow in the services, don't we? Why wouldn't we all seek more of God's anointing? Seeking his presence, right? He lives inside of us. He's everywhere all the time. But we want him to manifest himself, especially in our services, right? We do these things through preparedness. Did you come to church prayed up today? Have you been reading your Bible all week? Have you been praising God all week? Have we been living life according to the way he says? Have we been following the leading of the Spirit? When he says don't do this or do this, have we been doing those things, right? We do it through preparedness. He called me to a fast this week. I had to fast a little bit to get my flesh in check again, right? Because I get so busy with everything else and life happens. Even though we've been off work, things still happen. And you get your mind in all sorts of other places and you forget about who's supposed to be number one, right? Talking about refocusing. Fast will help you refocus. A fast will help you refocus, right? With praise and worship. We do this through praise and worship. We have to be ready to surrender, church. Are you ready to surrender today? Completely and totally to God. But to see, there's a difference. God showed me this week, too. There's a difference in being ready and jumping off. There's a big difference. And, 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 he, and he gave me this visual in my head of a, of a person with a hang glider standing on a cliff. This person could have went out and bought the nicest hang glider they could have, right? They've taken classes on how to fly the hang glider. They know how to do it. It's all rigged up and everything's right. They've got this big high cliff, the wind's just right, and they're completely, everything is pointed in the right direction, and they're completely ready. They're ready to go. They're ready to go hang gliding. But there comes a point when you've got to jump off. You've got to let go. You've got to take off before you can soar, right? Church, we've got we've to jump off sometimes. With God, I'm talking about. We can be ready. We can say we're ready. We can come to church. We can get dressed up. We can be prayed up. We can do all these things. But sooner or later, we got to step out. we got to flow in his spirit, right? we got to refocus on him, church. That's what I'm talking about today, Steve. So, so <clears throat> whether you're at home or whether you're here, come prayed up. Come ready. Come expecting something. Come ready to jump off. I'm not talking about craziness or wackiness. I'm talking about the spirit leads you to do something. You do those things. If the spirit leads you to raise your hands, you do it. If the spirit leads you to sing, you do it. Actually, we can tell who's been praising and worshiping all week long and who's been pouring in their spirit life because they're the ones that are singing with their hands in the air. The ones who are hanging on the back of the chair and doing this, those are the ones who haven't been doing what they're supposed to be doing all week anyway because they're not coming excited. They're not coming expecting something. They might step on your toes today. I knew it would get quiet during this part, but it's true. It's true, and sometimes we need to hear the truth. Come ready. Come expecting. Ready to jump off. I don't care if they can hear you on the, on the live stream or on the podcast. I don't care if you hear me sing. I know I can't sing. But the Bible says make a joyful noise, right? We're going to have a church as close to, the, close to having church as we can have. So if they hear you on the live stream, great. Maybe they'll hear that you can't sing either, and they'll feel more comfortable to sing, right? God uses imperfect people to speak to people all the time. He uses me. 
<clears throat> so come ready, prayed up, ready and ready to jump off. Come expecting something. Come and ready to sing and clap and, and dance if you need to dance. Dance in your chair like the Jesse was doing this morning. He gets that thing going. As soon as he hears the music going, he starts doing that little squat thing. What do you think God thinks about that? Amen. We're all his children. He'd love to see all of us dancing for him and praising him, right? With our hearts right, in the right place, right? Come ready to flow in the spirit. Come with your Bible. Come ready with your notebook, your pen, ready to take notes, right? Come ready with your tithes and your offerings, your praise offering, and, and, and your offering that, that, that the Bible commands us to give, right? There's something different about the church lately, though. It is. I know you all sitting here since it, it's different. It has to be a little different. We're spread out a little bit more, right? We're not shaking hands. We've been out of church for a little while. Well, think about it. If you all are out there still at home, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about just yet. It's got to be different for you too, though, in your living room. But it's definitely different than church. And I don't know if that's because people have laid out in slack. That could be one reason. The camera being in the room could be another reason. I don't want to sing. I don't want the camera to hear me. Right? I'm not used to raising my hands anymore because I've been sitting at home not doing it. Right? It's a smaller crowd now. Maybe I don't blend in as well. It could be any of those things. Maybe a few other reasons out there, too. Whatever the reason is, church, we've got to refocus. We're here for him. We're here to praise him. In 1 Corinthians 7, 34, it says, And a single woman is focused on the things of the Lord, so she can be holy both in body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the things of the world and how she may please her husband. Church, are we, do, we, do we have one Lord? Are we looking around at other things, paying attention to other things, and have our minds and our hearts in other places, especially in the house of God, right? Check yourself on this today. Ask God to check you on this today. Is he number one? Is something else got you distracted? How do we get back to where we're at? My wife struggled with that before, getting back to where she was before. And Pastor Leonard said, don't try to get back to where you were before. Start right here today. Start pouring your heart out to God today. Be real with God today. He'll get you where he wants you to have you. Maybe where you were at before wasn't so great anyway. Maybe that's why you've fallen from where you were, right? Just start today. Just start today. Be real with God today. Say, Lord, I, I need you. I, I, I covet your presence. I want to have more of you. I want to be what you want me to be. Start talking to God and being real and just open your heart up to him and see if he won't move in your life. He wants to move in your life. He's a loving father. In Joshua chapter 3, and this, this story goes on for about three chapters, so I can't read it all to you. I'm going to read a little bit here in a little bit, just a few verses. But in Joshua chapter 3, you should go back and read the whole thing. Moses had passed away. You all remember I preached about this here just a while back. Moses had passed away, and God said, come in, and everywhere the, the, the sole of your foot, foot treads, I'm going to give it to you, Joshua. No one will be able to stand in front of you all the days of your life. You just focus on this word right here. You meditate on my word day and night. That's what you need to focus on, Joshua, and do what I have you to do, and everything is going to be peachy for you. Summing this up, but that's basically what God told him, right? So Moses had passed away, and God had placed Joshua into power, right? And they were entering into the promised land. Now think about this right here. The promised land was the land, the place that God had already promised them. If God already promises you something, ladies and gentlemen, it belongs to you. You can take that to the bank. This was, they call this the promised land throughout the Bible, the promised land. God had promised his people this land. It belonged to them, and they were entering into the promise that God had already given them, right? Another promise in the Bible says the glory of the latter church will be greater than the, than the glory of the former church. Now think about that right there. We're the latter church. 
God has already given us this promise. Church, we got to step out in this promise. We got to refocus on him that we're in the right place at the right time to be able to do the right thing when he tells us to do that thing. Are you following me? Does that make sense? Living with our hearts right, right? So this is a promise to God. But to receive God's promise, they had to cross the Jordan River. They had to get up and do something about it. Church, we've got to get up and do something about it today. We've got to get focused on God completely and totally with our whole heart, not just on our Sunday etiquette, but all the time. They had to cross the Jordan River, right? And I want to, I want to talk to you today a little bit about how big that river looked. These people camped on the banks of the Jordan River, actually a little ways off the Jordan River, but they could see the Jordan River. They camped there for three days before God told them to cross the river. Now think about this. This, this was during the flood stage. This river was normally three to ten foot deep, and it was 90 to 100 feet wide. I found it in my archaeological Bible. And, but it was during the flood stage, so it was much higher. It, said it, was the, it says that it's out of the banks everywhere during the harvest time or during the spring because there was a mountain nearby. Then all the, the snow would melt off the mountain, and it came down the river, and it was a rainy season too, so it was the springtime. So we had all this excess of water that was coming down the, the, the Jordan River this time. So it was completely up out of its banks, and it was swolled up everywhere. So they were sitting there looking at this river and looking how big it was. And how mighty it is. And I don't know if you've seen a river when it's in its flood stages, but the water gets to rushing. The water gets to swirling. Y'all seen the Missouri River, right, when it's up? It looks nasty. Stuff's floating down the river. It's taking debris down with it like this. All these things going on. So um, then God told Joshua to get the the priest out there, and you're going to have them cross the water in the Jordan, but keep the people back. It says uh, uh, 2,000 cubits. But some translations break that down to 3,000 feet. So this is just a little bit over a half a mile or a little over 1,000 yards, or 1,000 yards, I mean to say. So he tells them to stay back this far. You stay up on the bank, and I, and, I, and I found a map that has a picture of this, and where they would have been at a half mile back, they would have been a little bit uphill. So the, lands, the landscape would look like this, and he says, now when the priests get up and they head down the river, you follow them. You follow them in there. And he goes on to say as far as when, when they uh, step into the river, the water is going to stack up. The water is going to part, not just part like this, but the water is going to stack up on one side and it's going to stop flowing so we can cross on dry ground. Can you imagine the faith and the confidence and the trust in God that Joshua had to go and tell two million people that? Can you imagine if someone came down the Missouri River today and said, here at two o'clock when the preacher gets down here, this river is going to stack up. It's going to get real deep on this side and the water is going to be dry under the preacher's feet. That, that took some boldness. It did. So this is what he told them to do, right? So, so they had to have trust in God to even do this. So it says in Joshua 3, 13 through 17, I'm going to read today. It says, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord and, and the Lord of, of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off and the waters shall come down from upstream and they shall... And the waters that come down from upstream, I'm sorry, and they shall stand up as in a heap. They shall stand up as in a heap. These waters are just going to heap up and keep getting. Imagine the confidence that Joshua had to even say that. But it goes on in verse 14 and says, So it was when the people set out, set out from their camp to cross the Jordan River with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during, during the whole time of the harvest. This river was flooded that the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose in the heap very far away. 
at Adam. The city Adam right here was 18 miles away. So this water backed up in a heap so far that it was flooding up into a city that was 18 miles away. Can you picture this right here? The city that is beside Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Ereba, the salt sea filled, this was the lowest, the salt sea is the lowest part in Israel, the lowest land mass, or the lowest body of water in Israel, it's below the sea level. So all the water is flowing to the salt sea. Failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. Now think about that right there. Some people try to say this was an earthquake that happened because since then, even in the last century, in the 19th century, there were earthquakes that happened that stopped the, the Jordan River for up to like 20 hours. But even if an earthquake happened, let's say an earthquake did happen, it doesn't explain the thing away because God, God's in control of the earthquake also. You can say that. But if an earthquake did happen and it stopped the river, how long do you think that river might take to dry up? How long do you think that mud might take to dry up in the Missouri River if, you, if, you, if, if it put a dam in there today and it stopped the water? It says that the priests were standing on dry ground. They were standing on dry ground. That's what God did in the midst of them, in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Now, he told them to stay back that 3,000 cubits or, or 2,000 cubits or 1,000 yards or 3,000 feet or just a little bit over half a mile. And I believe the reason for that was so they could see. Think about it. If you're standing in the midst of two million people and you're all standing around here on the same level playing field, you're not going to be able to see very far at all. You're not going to be able to tell what's going on. But if you're up on a hill with a couple million people, now I can see down over the hill and I can see what's going on. I can see when the priests get up, when the priests move. I can see the water stacking up. I can see all these things happening, right? I can see all these things happening. So if they were focused on anything else, though, they still might miss it. Church, if we're focused on something else, we still might miss it today. If you're, if you're a half a mile away from something that, that happens and you're not focused amongst two, amongst two million people and there are all these things going on, can you imagine the things going on with two million people? Can you imagine the things that are going on in Kansas City today? And I could be focused on the things that are going on right next to me or I could be looking down at the river. How Kansas City sets up over the river, you can picture that. You can see the river down at the bottom of the hill. If I'm not focused on what God told me to be focused on, though, I could miss the whole thing, right? They could have very easily missed it. <clears throat> I believe that God was showing them again what he'd showed their ancestors with the Red Sea because this word heap right here, this word heap that he used when he said the, the Jordan River was going to heap up is the same word that he used heap when the Red Seas parted, right? God showed them his power. He showed them his glory to the ancestors, and they didn't believe enough to go in and possess the promised land. Church, will we possess, will we possess God's promises today? Are we going to possess those promises or will we, let someone, will we let it pass us by? Will we let someone else have it, right? I believe that he was showing this generation again, right? Because they carried the ark out there, and the, and the, and the, the purpose of the, of the ark was to show them that God was with them. It was, it was a, a, a token to show them that God was with them all the time, right? And he also had them take 12 stones, one for each one of the tribes. Take 12 stones and take them up on the bank of the other side so the next generation will remember. He was showing them again what he showed their ancestors, and he was showing the next generation at the same time. That's what he was doing. I believe that's what he was doing anyway. God wants to move in our presence too. Just like he moved in their presence. But if we're not paying attention, we can miss the whole thing. Are you paying attention, church? Are you ready 
Are you expecting? Think about what they were doing up there for that three days. Camped up on that hillside a half mile from the river. What do you think they were doing? They could have been looking at the river thinking, oh, Lord, that thing looks big and that looks mighty. There's no way we can do that. We've got to carry this ark. The priest could have been thinking, I've got to carry this ark across this flooded river. There's no way I can swim across it with it. I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this in my own ability, right? Or they could have been spending this time to be getting ready, to be getting prayed up, making sure they're right with God before they get out here and, and, and enter the promised land that he gave to them, right? Ask God today if you're ready. Ask God today. Check yourself and ask him. He'll, he'll let you know. Church, it's time to get real with God. It's time for us to get real with God. It's time to evaluate your own spiritual life. Not mine, not your neighbor's, not your wife's. Evaluate your own personal spiritual life today. I'd ask you that today. Evaluate yourself. Ask yourself these questions. Where is my spiritual life at? Where is my spiritual life going? Am I moving forward? Am I sitting idly? Or am I falling back? I don't believe you can sit idly. I believe you have to be moving forward, you have to be moving backwards. But some people will think they can idle. But where's your spiritual life headed to? Are you moving forward with God? Are you growing? Are you getting bigger? Are you getting stronger, right? Or am I in a slumber? Am I in a slumber? Am I on fire? Ask yourself that today. Am I on fire? Spiritually, am I on fire? Am I seeking God for all that I'm worth, right? Am I awake or am I asleep? It's either one or the other. You can't, you can't be in the middle of the road. It's one or the other. You're either awake or you're asleep. Am I on fire for God? Am I giving God every part of my life that I can give my life, that, that I can give to him? Am I about the Father's business? Ask yourself these questions today. Invite God into your life today. If you know there's more that you can have, more that you can, that you can experience in your spiritual life, Invite God into your life today. Invite God into your spiritual life today. Maybe you don't know God at all. Invite him in. Ask him to forgive you for your sins. Invite him to, 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 to correct these things today, though. Am I on fire with God? I would venture to say that most of us would say no. I'm not as good as I could be spiritually. Invite him in today, church. Invite him in today. Could we do that? And could we wait on God just for a little bit? Could we pray corporately? I know this might break some of our codes, but if a few of you want to come to the altar and stay spread out, come to the altar. If you want to bow at your chair where you're at, go ahead and bow at your chair. Let's take the time today and wait on God. If you're home at your house, take this time, take however long it takes. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care if we're here the rest of the day. Take this time and refocus. 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 Ask God to set that fire inside of your life. Tell him about the relationship you want to have with him. Can we do that today? You can go ahead and shut that thing off. We're going to be here for a little bit. and they'll, they'll, People fall off that anyway if you have a silent part. Are we good? At the podcast. If we could, go ahead and pray today. Get in, get in our chairs, come to the altars, however you see fit. But let's take the time to refocus on God today, could we? Refocus on God today. Ask him, invite him into our lives. That little piece that you've been holding back on, invite him into there. Yeah, you can play a song now. We're off, the, we're off the air. Invite him into that area of your life that you've been holding him out of, that place that you haven't quite submitted to yet. 